right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Welcome, month of, well, almost March. Almost March. We are recording on the last day of February. So we are barely squeezing it in. We are. And February flew by. Oh, compared to January, which like lasted a year, February flew. So why don't you tell them what fun things you did in February, and then I will tell you the my exciting February. Oh, well, our exciting for the month was we did a family vacation to Southern California, and you picked a good week to do it because it was freaking cold in Idaho last I week. I know. Although I will say, I mean, I really shouldn't complain because I know it was 30 degrees here, but 54 with Santa Ana winds was not what I was dreaming of. Well, it was 30 <laughs> degrees with Santa Ana winds here, making it seem like it was 15. <laughs> but it was fine. Okay. So um, we saw family. Um, my husband grew up in Southern California, so... He has family there. We have uh-huh. a sister there. So that was great. We did the Disneyland thing with the kids. Um, we hadn't been for a few years. We we do it and we'll only go like every three or four years because that's about as much as we can handle. But we like that's to go. We like to go when we have a three or four year old because I think it's the magical age. Okay. When and they are three to four. You have an almost four year old. Yes. So tell me what the almost um, four year old thought of the Disney experience. It, he was like completely overwhelmed. <laughs> And hello, he, I'm overwhelmed and I'm in my fifties. I, I know. And <laughs> he loved it. It was all the emotions. Yes. Fear, love, joy, giggles, exhaustion. Did he did he have a favorite ride? <laughs> um, let's see, what did he like? He really liked the haunted mansion. Oh, really? He he was so funny. He did great on all of the mm-hmm. fast, zippy roller coaster rides. Mm-hmm. That did not scare him at all, but he was scared of rides where things would pop out at him. Oh. But he kind of like liked to be scared because he kept asking to go on them again. Oh. But so it was fun. <laughs> and then we went to Santa Barbara where we used to live and like it was great. And ate at your favorite Mexican food place. Yes. And then I Which got. Which didn't end well for you. Then I got food poisoning. That part was not great. <laughs> so it is no longer your favorite Mexican food place. I may be scarred for life. <laughs> And I don't know what to do now because I make tacos, burritos, et cetera, once a week for my family. And now I'm like, nah, no. So you can't even fathom like your own homemade Mexican food. You're like, I want no Mexican food. I'm going to need a little bit. Oh, damn. I'm going to need a little bit of time. Well, and what was so interesting is you and your husband ate at the same restaurant. I assume you ate different things, but you're the one that ended up with food poisoning and not him. Yes. I was the one in the hotel room throwing up. He was totally fine. Now, I did get grilled chicken on an enchilada, and he got shredded chicken. That's the only difference. Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. He claims maybe he has a stomach of seal from his mission in Argentina. I'm like, no, you just have better luck than me. (laughs) Well, and what I thought was so funny when you told me that story is right before you guys left to go to Disneyland, your kids had a bout with a stomach virus. And so you had packed like multiple throw up bags for the car because you're like, we got our Disneyland tickets. I don't care. We're going. Yes. Here's your throw up bag. And you ended up using the throw up bags that you packed. Two of my kids were throwing up the day before we left. Uh And I was like, get in the car. We're going. And everybody was fine. But I had one more kid that had had stomach flu. So I was like, she's a ticking time bomb. (laughs) So I packed all the supplies Uh and I was the one that ended up needing them for food poisoning. Which I'm sorry. I know that's like really rude to laugh, but I think that that's just hilarious. It's some Uh, karmic sense of the universe. I tell you, traveling with small children, there's never a dull moment. Well, and your kids, I I don't know what it is. We, we, I'm sorry. We joke about this in my house that like, you know, you just snap your fingers and a Smith will throw up. Oh, if there's a stomach flu, they'll get it. In fact, they're probably all going to, Start round two this week now exactly. that they got all those Disneyland germs. Exactly. <laughs> so. so yes, because I know you buy the throw up bags by the case off of Amazon. Yes, we do. I listed that on this podcast as one of my favorite things at one point in time. You a really did. A couple years ago. <laughs> we go for the industrial, like hospital grade, medical grade bags around here. We don't mess around. Well, you know, I <laughs> don't blame you. So. Oh. All right. So for me, a couple of exciting things. First of all. I'm going to be a grandma. Yay! Yay! 
which you, of course, already knew that because I shared that with you. But my daughter, Shelby, who got married last May, is pregnant and she is having a baby in August and she's having a little boy. And I am just so excited. I, I have to tell you the funniest thing. So she didn't do like this big, she didn't do a big gender reveal. In fact, it was kind of a little bit, I mean, it was, it was kind of anticlimactic the way that she told mm-hmm. us we'd been over at her apartment one evening and she pulls out the pregnancy test, the P test. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, immediately know what it is. And I start crying and my husband's like, a COVID test? <laughs> Why did you take a COVID test? You know what? I will give him this, the COVID test. The home tests, uh-huh. they really do look a lot like a pregnancy test. Anyway, so yeah, so he kept saying, why'd you take a COVID test? You didn't take a COVID test. That's so that you take a COVID test. And, and he, then he's looking and he's like, why are you crying and why is she crying? And I looked at him and I'm like, you idiot, this is a pregnancy test. She's pregnant. And then he was like, then he was just dumbfounded. He had nothing more to say after that. He was like shell-shocked. So, so I would like to know this because I haven't talked mm-hmm. with you about this for a few weeks. Uh-huh. Have you purchased baby items yet? I have not purchased baby items yet. I'm Can you shocked. believe that? No. I know. I'm completely know. shocked. Especially now you know the gender. I would have thought you would have had like a nice little collection going by now. Well, you would think. But but here's here's the problem. I have a daughter who is very, very, very picky. Like I wouldn't presume to try and pick anything out other than like, a basic onesie. So I am just kind of holding back. In fact, I really want to make the baby a quilt. And I meant to ask her this on Sunday when she was over and I totally forgot to say, give me the colors that you want mm-hmm. that you would like for a baby quilt. But she is super particular. So oh, I, I, I want to, um, you know, whatever it is I purchased for the baby, I want it to be something that she is going to use and appreciate. Mm-hmm. So yes, I have, you know, and honestly, I mean, this is sound awful, but if it were a girl, I probably would have purchased <laughs> stuff already. And I know from your youngest little boy, you know, that boy clothes are cute and adorable and you had a fun time. But I also have three girls. That's true. They were way more fun. I was walking. I was was way more fun. I was walking Walmart the other day and I saw this yellow, cute little yellow gingham Mm -hmm. dress. And I immediately thought of your girls. I'm like, man, if I had, if I had a little girl that would fit in that Mm -hmm. size dress, I would totally buy that dress. So yeah, that probably has contributed to it as well. So, so yes, August thirtieth is the due date, and I just—it's in some ways I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be a grandma. In other ways, I'm like, am I really that old? No, it really blows my mind. It's it's this is like this might be harder for me than you because I'm like this no no we are not of grandma age. <laughs> Except I am. <laughs> anyway, I hope to be like the cool hip grandma. So here's what's so funny is we have the kids over for dinner every Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So I have been giving in to any pregnancy craving that Shelby has. So I'm like, what does the baby want today? And she tells us, you know, what we're going to eat for Sunday dinner. And I figure I'm training him well to know when you go to grandma's house, whatever you want to eat, you get that at grandma's house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we know how things are going to work. In I house. know. <laughs> and then the other really fun thing is my son, who is a senior in high school, in the month of February started a job. They, and you did this when you were mm-hmm. a senior in high school. I did. They have kids who are seniors in high school come be a page in the Idaho State House of Representatives or Senate. And he is a, he is a Senate page during this session. And it is, you know, probably one of the biggest rewards as a parent is to see your kid doing something they are passionate about mm-hmm. because this is a kid, he's wicked smart, but, um, you know, he's only interested in doing things he's interested in. And I'm just like, oh, is he like the laziest kid ever? And of course he's 17. So I get that. But to see him just kind of blossoming in this job and just having so much fun and being responsible. I mean, there've been several days where I've looked at him and I've gone, are you my kid? 
what have you done with my kid? Because <laughs> I don't recognize you. But anyway, it's been really kind of cool to see him, to see him do that and see, okay, he does have a future. He's not going to live in my basement till he's 40. Yes. And he's really into the politics. He's a regular Alex Keaton, that one. He really is. Well, and here's the other thing too, is over the weekend, I mean, we we're talking about the Ukraine situation because of course, everybody talking about the Ukraine situation. And this kid is just rattling off geopolitical stuff. And I'm like, huh? Where, where, where did you learn all of this? I mean, he's he studied extensively about World War One and World mm -hmm. War II. But he studied far beyond that because, I mean, he's talking Ukrainian history, Russian history, all history of all those, you know, Taiwanese history. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I was, I was, I was blown away i i don't know maybe a bit mia as a parent while well, he's been studying all this stuff but you know he wants to be a political science major and i was like dude i think you need to think about international relations yeah so there you anyway, go we'll see so fun all right well time to move on to some stories um church related stories yes so well, i guess we're going to start off with ukraine um we weren't sure how much we'd have to share about Ukraine tonight in relation to the church. Yeah. But a lot of stories a have popped up. A lot of stories up. have kind of popped up this in the afternoon. Last, yeah, in the, this afternoon that in we In fact, we seen. were even considering having Jeff come on and talk because he has a lot of history with Ukraine yeah. and knows a lot. And we thought, oh, we don't have a whole lot. And then and now we do. a bunch more popped up. So, so we'll have to next week, Jeff will, we'll, I'm sure, weigh in. Yes. And keep following the TWIM Facebook page because Jeff um, is pretty good and quick about posting yeah. anything Ukraine related to the church yeah. um, on the TWIM Facebook page. So the first two stories are, of course, the first presidency issued a statement and that came out, I believe, on Friday. And they, um, you know, basically said, you know, we're heartbroken. We're deeply concerned about the armed conflict now raging, um, of course, praying for peace and that peace can be found through Jesus Christ and saying he can calm and comfort our souls, even in the midst of terrible conflict. He taught us to love God and our neighbors. And I think that that message is not only important for the people over there in Ukraine who are dealing with this horrible tragedy and travesty that's going on over there. But I think for those of us who are sitting on the sidelines, like mm -hmm. my husband has been really invested in this and really following the news on it and just feeling really frustrated. Like I wish I could do more and I mm -hmm. can't do anything. And I think if we remember that when our souls are feeling tormented over all of this in frustration for the things that we can and cannot do, that we can always turn to Jesus Christ because mm -hmm. there's not a lot that we can do other than, you know, follow what's going on and pray for these people. But I think by turning to Christ, right. that can be very comforting to us to know that, regardless of this awful conflict that's going on, mm -hmm. peace is always found through the Savior. Yeah. Now, this statement that they put out, I did notice online a lot of criticism from people that really wanted them to come hard. Really? I didn't look at the online criticism. For Russia. Yeah, there was some criticism in the comments, which I get it. Honestly, uh -huh. when, when I first read it, I almost I kind of thought it's the same thing. I thought, yeah. It's a little vague. Like, yeah. I, I expected, you know, Bam, let's call out Putin and yeah. say what a scoundrel he is. <laughs> and just, you know, let's call him for what he is. Yeah. Evil is evil. And yeah. the church is usually pretty clear on what's yeah. evil and what's not. Um, but there was also a lot of speculation in the comments, which made me think, yeah, mm -hmm. this has got to be the just the fine line that they are towing. They have members they, of the church yeah. in Russia. They yeah. are attempting to build a temple yeah. in Russia, although they've said to be patient. Um, you know, they've said this is not, this is going to be a while. <laughs> they've, they've said to be patient. I'm assuming now people yeah. are really going to have to be patient. Um, but so. I'm sure, and I just wonder if maybe they're worried about what will come down on the yeah. members in Russia yeah, if they, they don't do want come out too strongly. Um, the church and members there. Because I'm sure it's so hard yeah. to be a member in Russia yeah. as it is. Oh, yeah. Even before the Ukrainian situation. Yeah. I looked up last night because I was curious. I mean, we when we podcasted last month, they had just barely evacuated the Ukraine missionaries. Yeah. So I looked up last night because I thought, well, what about the Russian missionaries who are 
technically volunteers. Yes, not we're, we're not missionaries in Russia. We um, volunteer. And I looked it up last night and there was an article from one of the Utah news stations a couple weeks ago that said they pulled out the Russian volunteers mm-hmm. around February 15th. And it said there were only like 50. So yeah. they had very small numbers um, to pull out from Russia. But I was relieved to hear that because yeah. I thought, oh, I hope they're out by now. Exactly. Um, so at least anybody who's at least left there mm-hmm. would be a Russian national, yeah, not someone foreign. Mm-hmm. So, and the second statement came from the East uh, Europe East Area Presidency, and they offered a message of reassurance to the Ukrainian Latter Day Saints. And they said, "We are aware of these difficult times. The First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles are fully aware of the current situation, and we are monitoring the situation day by day and hour by hour." And so I, you know, this kind of, um, kind of sparked a question that I had that I don't Mm -hmm. think we'll necessarily get an answer to. I mean, honestly, we know that the church has been monitoring this situation for, you know, several weeks, probably even months leading up to this because Putin was kind enough to announce his intentions. Mm -hmm. And we know that they pulled the missionaries out. We know that they kept, I think the temple closed till late last week and then they closed the temple. But I thought, what do they do with the temple? Because they know the capital city, Kiev, is going to be under attack. Um, You know, the temple stands as a very Western, I mean, you can't find a more Western religion than the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so, you know, is that going to be attacked? And I I don't think we can naively say, oh, the Lord will protect the temple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Lord can protect the temple, but certainly we've seen temples burn down. Right. I.E. Kirtland. And so I wondered, you know, what do they do? Do they, are they, does the church take the computers out? Right. You know, the ceremonial clothing that is there. Ooh, that's a good question. The veil of the temple, the stuff that is so, so sacred. sacred. And you don't want it to run through the streets. Yeah. You and, don't want it defiled. You don't mm-hmm. want it run through the streets. I mean, I have no doubt that the church has a plan. I just would like somebody to tell me what do they do and what is their plan? Yeah. Because I would think that, you know, they would want to, you know, remove those items and get them out of the temple just and right. leave just a shell there because they can always bring those items back back in later. Yeah. That anyway, is really interesting. It was just and a thought that I had. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the temple. I mean, when's the last time a city with a temple in it was like under such yeah. direct attack? I mean, exactly. I know we've had a lot of civil unrest. Yeah. Within within countries yeah. that you know obviously have a lot of church members, we've had lots of civil unrest, but an outside massive army, yeah, moving down the moving street, moving into a city with a temple, yeah. When's the last time that happened? That is a really good question. It's we'll let Jeff answer that yeah. next week. I'm Jeff, sure he knows. Let us know. So um, anyway, we've kind of been. I've been anxious to see. You know, I've like all of us, we've been glued to the news to see Mm -hmm. stories coming out of Ukraine and the people that are there and what they're going through. But we've been anxiously, I've been anxiously waiting to see like, what are the church members? Oh yeah. Just, you know, we feel this tie to them of brotherhood and sisterhood. And so we've gotten a few over the past um, few days. One that I saw spreading around um, Instagram for a couple of days now, there's this guy named Andre Polonsky who's a member of the church. Um, he lives in Karov, Ukraine. And he posted a video a couple of days ago that was going like wildfire mm-hmm. on Instagram, just talking about having his food storage. Um, he quote, This is the quote from him. He said, I'm extremely grateful for our church leaders and our prophet who constantly reminded us to do our food storage. I have that food storage and I'm grateful that I have this ability to share goodness with others who are less fortunate. And he has taken it to neighbors. Um, he's made little kits of toilet paper, mincemeat, nuts, granola bars, soap, vitamins. And he's been delivering them to neighbors and people in need. He, uh, Someone he knew had a young daughter who's fighting like a rare mm-hmm. disease and he took them some. And um, he's just been sharing it, which is really amazing. Very amazing. I mean, I know that if it comes down to it, that's what the Lord would want yes, us to do exactly. with our food storage, but that would be hard to do in a time of it, crisis. And very, and uncertainty. Uh-huh. There is yeah. so much uncertainty. Yeah. So um, LDS Living did a little write-up on him that we'll link to. Um, and he said um, that he was preparing to deliver 
some of the last of his supply to families to like, and hoping to get wow. more tomorrow. I'm like, oh my goodness, wow, how selfless. Yeah. Um, and then we've gotten another story that just came out also from LDS Living on a young couple that had to separate in Ukraine. Um, they're a young newlywed couple. Nina and Dima are their names. Nina is 26 and she is from Moldova. And Dima is 30 and he's from Ukraine. They were living in Kiev. Um, they both served full-time missions. They just got married in 2020 in the wow. Kiev Ukraine, Kiev Ukraine uh, temple. So they're newlyweds um, and they got woken up, you know, in the middle of the night hearing the bombs and decided it was time to go. Yeah. And so they went and they got Dima's mom, who also lived in Kiev. And they went to like a subway shelter and then they were quickly trying to find a way out to Moldova, yeah. Moldova which is where her family is. Um, and so they bought bus tickets, but by the time they bought bus tickets, uh, he couldn't get out because, yeah. you know, they're not letting the men of a certain age out of the country. So she had to leave him. Her and that would his, be really hard. She and his mom had to leave him. Um, and oh my gosh, the faith of these people. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's astounding. It's, it's just, it's hard to imagine. It is hard to imagine. And they don't know when they'll be reunited. You know, he doesn't know if he's going to get, you know, scripted into the military and what's going to happen. But, you know, I think, and she says in the article, she's really relying on her faith. And I think that's what you would have to do is just know, you know, hey, we have a really good understanding of the plan of salvation and whether or not, you know, you get the, the, The opportunity to continue here in this mortal existence, I guess you could say, you know, nobody has, everybody wakes up every day and that's a gift. So anyway, yeah. And I'll read you another one that'll make you cry. Oh no. (laughs) But it's a happy cry. (laughs) Okay. So this is from the church news. Um, Sarah Jane Weaver, as you know, she is the editor for the church news. And on Sunday, she decides to go to the Mount Ensign fourth branch of the Salt Lake City State. And um, that branch is conducted in the Russian language and branch members are from Ukraine, Russia, and other countries where Russian is spoken, including many from the United States. Very cool. I had no idea. I had no idea either. A Russian speaking branch in Salt Lake. I know. So here you have this branch Mm -hmm. that has people from Ukraine and people from Russia and, Mm -hmm. and you've, you know, I. I don't know how these people, you know, feel if, if they are siding with their various countries or, or whatnot, but Mm -hmm. they are all these branch members to be together together. And so the meeting begins with an acknowledgement of the conflict and an invitation to continue fasting and praying for peace the following week. And it said the fast would be broken as the branch gathered together and pray to pray and share a simple meal. It says, we invite all of you without exception, said a counselor in the branch presidency. Mm -hmm. And it just goes on to talk about, about the meeting and that, um, our branch needs to be a place of peace and comfort where everyone is welcome and everyone feels love and acceptance, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. And then they actually read the first presidency's message in Russian. Mm -hmm. And Sarah Jane Weaver said the words seem to carry more power when spoken in Russian. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. And then at the, after the meeting was over with, they all stood together on the stand of the building that they were meeting in to pose for a photograph. Now, the branch had been scheduled to meet in a new meeting house the following week. And so this was their final meeting together in this meeting house. And they wanted a final photograph. And Sarah Jane talks about, um, she says, there without exception stood Ukrainian, Russian, and American Latter-day Saints, sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters, members of one branch who pray together, eat together, worship together, and weep together. In that moment, God's children, divided by war, were united in faith. And she says, it is the image that sustains me now when the images of war consume me. See, now you now oh, I'm crying. Goodness. You're crying. Okay. I'm crying. We're all crying. <sighs> anyway, it's it, it's just such a again a good reminder that um just like she said, I mean, we're seeing some really awful images on the news. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, you know, see those images where people from different countries are standing together 
is reminds you that there's a much bigger picture here. Yeah. It's really cool. All right. Well, we're done with Ukraine. All right. Let's move on to some other news. We're going to move on. Hopefully that won't make us all (laughs) sit here and cry. Oh, this won't make you cry. It's about Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer, yes. <laughs> Gotta love the Jimmer. Uh, Jimmer Fredette. Have not thought about him for a long time until I read I this article. I was like, oh yeah, Jimmer. What happened to Jimmer? Well, this article so, will tell you what happened to Jimmer. For those of you who may not remember Jimmer, he was a BYU basketball star in the mid mid to late 2000s. Yeah. He played his last game for BYU in 2011. And he was drafted by the NBA. Mm, yes, he was, but I can't remember how long he didn't. He didn't, he didn't last too long. He, he didn't went last to the long. Sacramento he, Kings, if I recall okay, correctly, yeah. and then he went to China League. Yeah, he, he didn't last too long, but he was a star at BYU. Yes. Probably the biggest star we've he had in huge. many years uh, for BYU basketball. So um, he did. He did end up in China um, a year ago. He was playing in Shanghai for the Shanghai Sharks in the China League. Um, and then COVID-19 hits and he did not get to see his wife for seven months oh, yeah. because of the strict protocols. He had to, you know, do two weeks in isolation when he got there, two weeks when he got back. And then he was not allowed any in between time. Yeah. And his wife stayed here in the States. Um, so he just talked about how miserable it was and he missed his family and it was kind of like a prison sentence and he could not do it again. Yeah. They wanted him back this season and he, and he like, said, no, peace out. So, which is good that he can. I'm like, well, they must not have contracts. Like, yeah, it must be a year to year thing. <laughs> he must have had a way to get out of that contract. Um, anyway, he said no. And he said he wanted to be home with his family. His wife is pregnant again right now with baby number three. Yes. Um, and he said, this is going to be the first baby he's actually been there through the whole pregnancy for. Ah. So he's looking forward to that. Um, he said while he was gone, his kids grew into completely different people and he hated that. It really gutted yeah. him. So he is back home. They live in Denver now. Um, he took his daughter to for her birthday, which was like last uh-huh. week. She wanted to go see Cosmo. So he took her to a BYU <laughs> game at Pepperdine. And, and he thought it was just going to slip in and out unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. It didn't exactly work yeah, out. So it was BYU playing Pepperdine. Of course, everybody's like, Jimmer. Um, anyway, he caught up with this reporter somewhere along the way yeah. and did this piece on him. Um, but it was really interesting. He talked about how he has, um, he acquired enough wealth, which I thought was fascinating. I know because I thought, I mean, he's only one day say 33. 33. He's only 33. And, and they called it generational. Wealth. They called it generational wealth. I was yes. like, wow. Cause you would think after only yes. a short time in the NBA yeah. and those, China leagues. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much those China leagues pay, yeah. but I'm assuming it's nothing yeah. compared to NBA, right? Yeah. But he also said in there he had a really good financial manager mm-hmm. and he and and Jimmer was really good with his money. He didn't go off being extravagant right. or anything like that. He squirreled it away. Yeah. And it said he had someone tell him how to invest yeah. it, to like turn a profit on it. And he also started you know, on the side, he had enough money to start a foundation, foundation. a exactly. charitable foundation. It's like an anti-bullying foundation. And they have a curriculum that they take into elementary schools. Uh-huh. And he teamed up with, it says when he was in China, when China, when he was in China, he met Greg and Julie Cook at church one Sunday, and they are the founding executives of doTERRA. When I first read this paragraph, I was like, oh, are they bringing them in? Are they reeling them in? <laughs> but it was actually the opposite. You know how we love a good MLM. <laughs> it was actually the opposite. He reeled in the doTERRA exactly. people like, to contribute money, money, money. to his foundation. <laughs> so the doTERRA people have now like largely contributed to his charitable foundation, yes. and they've been able to take this anti-bullying curriculum to several elementary schools um, in several cities throughout yeah. the United States. And so that is basically what Jimmer is up to. Um, he talks a lot about his parents and how their example of service is kind of what inspired him to do this yeah. charitable thing, which actually is pretty impressive for only being 33 years yeah. old. I mean, it would be really easy for him 
to just say, look, I'm, I've got to support my family yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah. I've got yeah. to make as much yeah. money as I can yeah. now. And we'll think about yeah. that when I'm like 60 or 70, but at 33, well, he's gone off and done this, which is impressive. And I think that speaks a lot to yeah. the foundation and the grounding that his parents likely yeah. gave him, um, you know, through doing service and mm-hmm. through making him realize you are not the center of the universe. Right, right. And he talks about that. Like both of his parents were just so service oriented. He said they had people in and out of their house all the time staying with them and people they were serving in the community. So it was kind of a cool little write up on. And he also says, let's give a shout out to his wife, Whitney. He also says his wife keeps him very grounded and Mm -hmm. that if he starts to get too big for his britches, she just cuts him like bad bangs. (laughs) Says, I don't think so. All right. I've got our next story is I've got another follow up story. Um, You may remember from the 80s, the group named the Jets. Do you remember the Jets? Okay. I remember the name because when I read this article, I was like, oh, I remember the Jets, but I could not for the life of me recall what they say. Okay. Remind me of what they say. Um, I'm trying, you know, um, I can hear their song in my head. Uh I am not even going to try and like hum (laughs) it to you because. I am mm-hmm. so terribly off tune, and that would just be offensive to all of our listeners. <laughs> okay. So go look up the Jets I'll stuff. Google it. Google it. Okay. But they are a they were they are a Tongan family. Mm-hmm. Um, they I think they actually grew up um, they grew up in Minnesota, but I believe it is the grandfather that was from Tonga that ultimately you know brought every you know everybody ended up here. And so all these kids that are part of this family band um, uh, were born here in America, but they are Polynesian. They've got, they've got those roots. Mm-hmm. And so there is a new podcast. Well, the podcast itself is not new, but the interview on the podcast is new. Um, LDS Living has a podcast called All In. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And they recently interviewed Mona Wolfgram Faniga. Wolfgram is her maiden name. She married an island boy. And so Faniga is her married name. She was the youngest member of this family kind of band, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. They had seen the Jacksons. They had seen the Osmonds. And they kind of styled themselves after that. And there were seven or eight of the older siblings, because I think there was a total of like maybe 17 siblings. There was a whole bunch of kids um, that formed this band and their parents kind of managed the band and they were really big for about five years. In 1987, they sang the Star Spangled Banner at the World Series. Mm -hmm. In 1988, they performed at the Summer Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. They released five top 10 hits uh, in the late 80s. So they were really kind of a big deal. And then by the early 90s, they had just petered out. Mm -hmm. And so this uh, podcast interview just talks about um, kind of what happened after they petered out and just kind of the descent that um, occurred within the family. There were lawsuits involved. And at the same time, you know, they all have this very strong LDS faith. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to maintain their faith and maintain this family and how they work through all of this. And Mm -hmm. it's just a really interesting podcast. It was only about 30 minutes long. I easily listened to it while I was taking a walk around the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I just highly recommend it because it's, it's just very interesting. interesting Okay. About that. Speaking of Mormon musical legends on podcasts, you know, Sharon says so that I've raved about on here before. So she has a podcast and she's going through every state of the United States and telling a story about that state. Oh, get out of town. I did not know that. Yes. Okay. So she got to Utah recently and the story on Utah was on the Osmonds. (laughs) Of course it was. If any of you would like to hear a little Osmond history and she's not a member of the church herself. Yes. So it was fun to hear her outsider take on the Osmonds. Oh, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go download that. That's on my walk for tomorrow. Yeah. It was a good one. Okay. All right. Next. Okay. Oh, next we have, oh, I like this one. Oh, I like this one too. (laughs) This one was kind of fun. Hey, this one is out of Southeastern Idaho. And usually all our stories out of Southeastern Idaho begin with Mormons behaving badly. They do. And this is not. This does not. So. That doesn't mean we're not going to rip on Southeastern Idaho. (laughs) Okay. Pocatello. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) 
We've already done it so much <laughs> That's right. that people know how we feel about this. Okay. <laughs> Pocatello LDS Church, converted into an Airbnb that sleeps 40, has an arcade, basketball court, and more. <gasps> I know. <laughs> this, so this, this is from East Idaho News. Somebody took a church, an old LDS church. Yeah, it was built in 1927, which I thought was really cool because the church that we went to growing up was that kind yeah. of same era. It was built in the 1920s. Right. And well, when I looked at the title, I was like picturing the cookie cutter standard church. And I was oh, thinking- With the U-shape. Right. And I was thinking, well, that's- I don't know if I'd want to stay there for a family reunion. But then I went and looked at the Airbnb pictures, and it's clearly one of those older buildings that yes. has different levels, and it's, you know. It's not cookie cutter. It's not the gym in the middle church. No. Um, but, yeah, these entrepreneurs have uh, decided to turn it into a massive family reunion. Uh, Mecca in Pocatello. Now, this is the problem. The location. You have to go to Pocatello. <laughs> There's now, not a lot to do there. <laughs> I know we're mean to Eastern Idaho, but Rexburg, Rexburg is lovely. Why would no? I've never been to Rexburg. There's Tetons. True. Idaho Falls again. Tetons are close. You got a river running through the middle of the town. Beautiful river. Pocatello. I have nothing nice to say. I'm so <laughs> sorry, Pocatello people. <laughs> But I guess if you really love your family and you just want to stay in a church and you don't really care about going outside, if, it would be great. If you want to have this kind of kitsch church experience, which honestly, I'm very intrigued. I would like to have a kitsch church experience. <laughs> you really need to click on the link and go see the pictures because it is really kind of amazing what it they've is, done. They really have transformed Like it. they completely gutted the kitchen. They've got two stoves, yes. microwaves, two refrigerators. I mean, you can host a lot of right. people. And they decorated it to make it look like a home. It's not yeah. like when I read the title, I was just picturing cinder block walls yeah. and a few twin beds scattered about. Yeah. Yeah. But they decorated it. They said they did keep um, a couple of the original chandeliers yes. that were in the lobby. Um, they also kept the piano and the organ, although the organ is in a portion of the building that will not be available until the summer. Okay, I am going to guess that's pipe organ because we had a pipe organ in our 1920s I know. building. Well, and I'm like, are they really going to just let these families have at the organ? Well, you can lock the organ down. That's this true. Is probably going to have. I a key on I would it. not recommend letting small children oh, hear no, that organ. No, no, no. I, uh, I thought this was really interesting. The owners are offering an exchange for any nostalgic photos of the building's formal life. So it looks like they don't have a lot of old photos yeah. and they want to get their hands on some old photos. So you can get a discount of up to 50% off of your rental. If you produce some photos. If you've got some photos. So listen up Pocatello people, if you're still listening because we have not offended you so greatly. <laughs> photos get you in. <laughs> for half price. Yes. And it's not cheap because it's $4.99 a night and you have to do a minimum of two nights. So a minimum of a thousand bucks but it sleeps up to 40 people. So if you've got a very large family, that's I a mean, deal. It's yeah, that's very <laughs> economical. So, yes. okay. Moving on to our next story, which is kind of another little update. You know me, I'm a Michaela Skinner fan. Yes. So she is going to compete on American Ninja Warrior. So apparently she had been interested in being on this show for a while and was even interested in it before the Olympics. And then when she decides to do the Olympics, you know, she focuses on the Olympics, the Olympics finish and they reach out to her and say, Hey, would you like to be on the show? And she's like, Oh, hard pass on that. Because mm -hmm. she's like, I have just finished training. I've done one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Uh, no, I'm not going to go train to be on American Ninja Warrior. So she passes on that. And then her husband, Jonas Harmer, he says, well, I want to be on American Ninja Warrior. So he applies just on his own to be on the show. And they select him. And after they select him, they call Michaela back and they're like, please. So she's like, okay. <laughs> so they're apparently going to do, so he'll appear on the show himself and uh -huh. compete as a solo contestant. But then they've got a couples competition. And so he and Michaela will compete together in the couples competition. That could be really this fun to watch. could be really fun I to watch. I bet a gymnast would do really well on that show. I would think so. And she's got a lot of upper mm -hmm. body strength because when I watch that show, that's the only thing I can think of is I was like, I don't have uh, mm -hmm. no upper body strength. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be fun to watch. Yes. We'll keep you updated when it comes out. Yes, we will. 
Um, okay, Relief Society, the Relief Society of the Church is preparing for its 180th anniversary by issuing us all an invitation to serve. Okay, that's kind of a big milestone, 180 I know, years. 180. I didn't realize that. I know. And that, that was not, coming up this we're year. We're not getting a lot of fanfare about it. No, we should all be having massive birthday celebrations. I know. We're, we're actually doing our, our birthday celebration a week from tomorrow. Oh, I don't really? I don't know the exact gist of what we're doing because I'm not the Relief Society counselor in charge of that, but it has something to do with wishes. Well, so, that'd be fun. Yes. I think anyway, we're tying quilts. So we're on board. So you're on board with the service because I don't (laughs) think we're doing the service, but I could be wrong. So um, they are inviting all sisters. They've all used their social media accounts, the General Relief Society presidency, to invite all sisters to do um, service during the next 30 days leading up to the birthday. As you know, the birthday is usually at the end of March. Um, So they are encouraging us to create a free account on justserve.org. Invite one friend to register on justserve.org. Um, and during the next 30 days, find a project in your community on justserve.org and complete it with someone you love. I thought this was interesting, like their use of justserve.org. We're trying to like yeah, get that going. <laughs> it's actually Perhaps. thriving here in Boise. Uh-huh. I'm assuming it's thriving website in yeah. Utah. But when I lived in Oregon, it was not thriving. Uh. I think, um, and maybe it is by now because, yeah. I mean, that was several years ago. People were still trying to kind of understand what it was. Right. And also, does that work um, worldwide? That was my other question. Anyway. Um, That's a good question. I don't know. Ghosts? Because you can only really look in your area. Right. And are people in other countries using it or do they have their own version? I don't know. I don't know how that works. But um, go serve. Go do some service this month. Go do some service. Honor, Honor the Relief Society. Seems like a good birthday present. Okay, so my next story is about Minerva Teichart. As you may or may not recall, she is a very famous LDS yes, artist. We love her art. She is from the Cokeville area. Mm-hmm. I, I I do. I love her art. In fact, in my bedroom, I've got mm-hmm. two of her paintings. I've got well, they're not her paintings; they're replicas the of her paintings. I didn't know that. Which ones? I've got Esther because I oh, love yes, Queen Esther. Esther. And then the one that's hanging above my bed is the pioneer one. Well, she had many pioneer ones, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a wagon and um, the wagons being pulled and pushed mm-hmm. and, and, and you can tell they're out on the plains. Um, but I do just really love her art. So uh, the um, art museum at BYU has a new exhibition and three Jewish themed paintings done by Minerva Teichart uh, will anchor this exhibition. And so um, one of the ones, of course, is the famous, which this would be kind of really cool to see it in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the courageous Queen Esther uh, is going to be hanging there. And like I said, I have a, I have a print, but I would love to see the original. Right. That would be kind of amazing. And um, they talk about how Minerva Teichart paid tribute to the biblical monarch in her oil painting and that it has become part of the permanent collection at BYU. What I thought was so interesting. So there's these three Jewish theme paintings. They have all hung in the museum at various times, but they've never hung together. And they don't say what the other two are. I know. Are. That's what I wanted to know. What um, are the other two? I guess that's how they get you to come, right? Exactly. You come see. Exactly. But there mm-hmm. is a story behind these paintings. So in 1938, Teichert's son was serving a mission in Germany. He was disheartened to see the mistreatment of the German Jews and shared his feelings in a letter to his mother. The trio of Minerva Teichart's paintings in the new BYU exhibition, including the portrait of the Jewish Queen Esther, were crafted in response to the things her missionary son was witnessing and the emotions he was feeling. I know. I love to hear the story behind art. I know. It always makes it so much more meaningful. Well, exactly. Because as a mother, you receive those letters from your missionary and they have to deal Mm -hmm. with some really hard things on their mission. And again, you can't do anything about it. You can't fix it. You can't solve it. All you can do is get on your knees and pray. And, um, and so to be able to take that emotion that she feels from her son's letter and translate that into these beautiful works of art Mm -hmm. that celebrate these incredible Jewish people that we find in the, in the Bible, such as Queen Esther, that it's just 
I'm like, wow, that is, that is really cool. Really cool. So Mm -hmm. anyway, if you, if you happen to be cruising by BYU, um, that I think it will be on display until July 9th. So you have a, you have a little bit of time to go and look at the Minervas. Very cool. Okay. Next story is a bit of a follow-up to a story we talked about last month. Yes. Um, last month, Jana Reese reported on a disclaimer that she found on the church website in front of an old Ensign article that was about patri- yes. patriarchy and honoring the patriarchy. <laughs> and the church had put a disclaimer saying, some of these things some may these be outdated. Things, yeah. <laughs> may not be the current views. Anyway, there is a follow-up. That none of us expected. This is kind of one of those, <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story moments. And holy cow. When yeah. I read this, I was like, well, that was a plot twist. <laughs> okay. So apparently that same Enzyme article that same month should have been a Carol Lynn Pearson article. That was what was originally slated for that spot for at that the Enzyme. spot in the Enzyme that month. So Carolyn Pearson read Jana Reese's article a month ago about this um, patriarchal article from back in the 70s. With the disclaimer. With the disclaimer. And Carolyn Pearson decided that she, she better write Jana Reese. And she jingled her up. Give her like a little <laughs> bit more background on this story. So apparently Pearson was supposed to have the cover article for that month's issue of the Enzyme. She had written um, she had written a nice, well-researched piece on the Mormon women of a century earlier. So like the Mormon, you know, pioneer, Pioneers. pioneer women. Um, and she had explored uh, like the marvelous things they had done. It was all about being a woman in the church. Um, so she submitted the article and it was like slated to be in that they fe- loved it. February issue of 1973. And then um, they kind of went silent on her. They kind of ghosted her. And she was like, well, what's going on? So she called up like a friend of hers who was um, a historian for the church. And she was getting like a vibe, like something, something's off. Something's wrong here. So um, then he gets back to her and says, your article has been pulled from the enzyme. So apparently the reason why um, it got pulled is because just like right before that happened, Carolyn Pearson had testified before the Utah State Legislature in support of the Equal Rights Amendment, the ERA, which we all know the church was like adamantly opposed to back then. Yes. And telling everybody in the church to also be opposed to it. Well, Carolyn Pearson was not opposed to it and testified in support of it. And because of that, she got blacklisted for her article. Um, so she said that also in combination with that, they had asked her to consult on some materials that they were printing, some new young women materials Uh that they were printing for like young women manuals, like right around the same time. And she had suggested like some new wording, um, on the way they were wording things about women or to be homemakers, um, young women, I think she quoted, uh, young women are, do not need to be seduced by the wiles of the world. You are to be a homemaker. And so she had like gently suggested like some rewording of it. Tweak that a little bit. Right around the same time. So I think like these two things together um, got made, her on the naughty list. Made some people uncomfortable. <laughs> so, um, and this is like, this is not just her speculating because um, somebody directly told her that uh, there were there were letters that went back and forth because then... Uh, the general president or the the editor of the Enzyme really wanted her article to be in it. So he wrote a letter pleading to the General Relief Society president at the time, who was named Belle Stafford. Who um, I like to call the Aquanet president. <laughs> oh, she was be- the big hair one? Oh, she okay. was the big hair lady. So the Enzyme editor wrote her an article um, just like pleading, like, let can can you help us? Or wrote her a letter. Or wrote her a letter saying, can you help us get this article in the Enzyme? Um, it's a really good article. And she wrote him back, the editor of the Enzyme, and said, we pulled um, – uh, oh, he wrote to her and said, we pulled the article because Sister Pearson at that time was acquainted in some people's minds as a proponent of the ERA movement. Well, um, and what I thought was interesting is Spafford, she's unmoved. Right. And she says of Car- – she reads Carolyn Pearson's article and she says, well, 
your interpretation of the position of the early day leaders, uh, your interpretations and my interpretations of those women in 1872, they don't coincide. Right. So then they replace <laughs> it with this strengthening of, you know, the patriarchal order of the home article and the rest is history. history. But they said, um, looking back, and there's a link to the original article. Yes. Car- Carolyn Pearson sent her original article that was supposed to be published to Jana Reese. And she and there's a link in her article. And she said, if you read it, um, it's all the stuff the church says these it days is, about women. It is nothing radical yeah. whatsoever. And she even qu- uh, quoted some of it that said um, da, 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 that the women that the idea being that women can can do anything or be anything as long as they understand their highest and best role will always be that of mother. Um, so she wrote in the article, we're not, abd- we're not abdicating their responsibilities. Like we're not yeah. saying your responsibility isn't to your family. This is what Carolyn Pearson wrote in the original article. Anyway. Um, so, I just like my jaw hit the ground when I read I know. this. I was like, oh, a, a plot twist. It's just so I, interesting it, to it me. It is. It's so interesting. Because and she has the receipts. Like if you go read this Jana Reese article, Carolyn Pearson gave her the letter that was written to the General Relief Society yes. president from the editor yeah. of the Enzyme. Yeah. She gave her the letter the General Relief Society president wrote back, back to him that said why no. she was rejected. And <laughs> then the original article. Yeah. It's like, oh, she has been holding on to this little file of documents <laughs> for just the right time to be like, <clears throat> and Jenna Reese opened the door and Carolyn Pearson walked right on through. <laughs> and I kind of love it. I kind of do too. I mean, how? <laughs> And also, I'm like, how hard was it for her to sit on this for all these years? I and I, I mean, I'm imagine. sure, I'm sure she's told people. I'm sure yeah. it's, it's not been a yeah. secret. But for her to just be like, "All right, yeah, I'm going to make this public right now." Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, I mean, Carolyn Pearson had the opportunity to, I mean, kind of, I mean, I think she's had multiple crossroads uh-huh. in her life, but you know, the opportunity to go, okay. I am really offended. Peace out. I'm done. Right. And, and like I said, I believe she's probably had that opportunity multiple times in her life. And mm-hmm. she has said, yeah, I'm offended. Yeah, that wasn't cool. But guess what? I'm staying. I'm not letting this right. shake my faith and my testimony. She has some tough skin. She has some tough because skin. Because there have been many, many yes. stories about things that have happened to her yes. over the years. Exactly. So, you know, my, and, and again, I mean, she didn't, you know, she, she wasn't, you know, parading this mm-hmm. going looky, looky what they did to me. It just happened that Jana Reese wrote this article because of the disclaimer that was in the inside. Right. You know, other than that, I don't I know. think and if she Jana, ever would have brought it if up. If Jan Reese hadn't written the article, yeah, she we still just wouldn't know. Kept it in a little file. Exactly. So <laughs> I want to know what else she has in her file. <laughs> that that is a very fair question. <laughs> Carolyn. She probably has all kinds of good stories. What kind of stories do you have? We would like to know. Could she just will all of that to like Seriously. Someone, Jenneries, <laughs> us. We'll go, we'll go through it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so mm-hmm. hats, just hats off to Sister Pearson. So good, good for her for gotta love Sister kind of Pearson. taking the high road and not being offended by it and just going, well, disappointed, yes, but I'm still staying the course. I know. And you know what? Even the article was not. It was just stating the facts. Yeah. No, it, she's it not, wasn't, she like, wasn't Janerese's Jan article wasn't coming for the church. Carolyn Pearson no. still did not say anything negative. No. No. She was just like, well, this is how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's pretty amazing. All right. I'm going to hit on this one really quick. Speaking of being okay. offended. So, um, Many of you know Alec Boyer. He is a a British-American member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He likes to sing. He likes to act. uh, He likes to give talks and speeches. And so he has, his wife is named Julie. And right now they have eight children. 
Well, 10 years ago, she received this letter in the mail and she has never made this letter public that she received in the mail. And she decided to now 10 years later to kind of make it public. This letter that she received, and it was an anonymous letter and the outside envelope kind of looked like child's writing. And then when you got inside, it was all typed up and it was an awful letter. Um, it They used the N-word. It had expletives, racial slurs, and they were all directed at Julie, uh, basically saying that she's a disgrace to the white, rest of white people because she's white and Alex is black. And it was signed Concerned Parents. And so you can only imagine what a troubling, awful letter this was that she received. So with February being Black History Month, she finally decided that, hey, I think I might want to just address this letter mm-hmm. and let people know, because we're talking 2012, not that long ago. That's crazy. It's totally crazy. And so she kind of, uh, she writes uh, basically a response, and this was in the Deseret News, to Dear Concerned Parents, and just to kind of let them know, you know what, my family is great, and I am, Mm -hmm. and, and she was smart enough to realize this was not about her. This was about a reflection of how hurt the author of this letter must be because the author ended up hurting people. Um, she called her family shameless. Uh, the author called her sh- family shameless ingrates, mongrels, and multiple times called Julia prostitute, which is just crazy. So she writes this letter and she says, you know, I am really grateful for my family and we are a thriving family of 10 in a world that otherwise criticizes us for our size. She has eight strong and resilient kids who love one another and help one another and try and be like Jesus and basically says, we're doing all right. You know, Mm -hmm. I hope that and her point in doing this was just to kind of highlight how racism still exists and how their family confronts this on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. And um, anyway, in the article, they had just really cute family pictures. And I just have to say, she has eight of the most adorable kids I've ever seen in my They're whole life. So cute, and I had no idea he had such. A I big had no idea either, but you know, mm-hmm. clearly they are thriving and they are doing a good job being parents and trying mm-hmm. to be better, better people in the world. So, yes. all right. Uh, next article we'll just hit on real quick. Elder Christofferson dedicates Gambia for the preaching of the gospel. Um, a small nation in Africa. This is the first time that an apostle has visited there and that it has been officially dedicated. Um, and this allows for the church to be organized. This is um, in Western Africa and it's got official status so they can organize a branch, I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, so that's exciting. It's always exciting to hear about the church opening other areas. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to Mormons behaving badly? Yes, and I'm so happy about this one because when you sent me the story a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, thank heavens, we finally have a Mormons behaving badly that is based on pure idiocy and not pedophilia. I will it's take so it. True. Our last few times we've been like, we have the ick factor today. These are the ones I like that are just like pure, unfiltered, idiotic Stupidity. decisions. Okay. Go for it. All right. Heritage <laughs> Halls, BYU campus. Oh, yes. I think you're familiar yes. with this. This is a good beginning. This is a good beginning at the Heritage Halls. It's a good breeding ground for some... Will Provo firefighters <laughs> were called to a fire alarm around 4.30 in the afternoon. So they go there and they find the fire sprinklers are activated and it's flooded the main floor. And a subsequent investigation revealed that a resident had been making homemade rocket fuel on the stove when the volatile mixture suddenly exploded into a fireball. Five pounds of homemade rocket fuel on the stove, which then, of course, tripped the sprinkler system. So the firefighters got there. They were able to get the fire out. Nobody was injured. Of course, there was significant damage to the apartment. Now, here's what's really interesting. In one of the photos I saw, there is a toilet that is sitting in the middle of the living room. Really? And so the question... I did not notice that. Oh, yes. So the question then becomes... 
Did the firefighters take this toilet out of the bathroom? And if so, why? If they didn't take the toilet out of the bathroom, why in the world do you have a toilet sitting in the middle of your living room? I will tell you why. The firefighters did not take the toilet out of the bathroom. These are freshman boys. They acquired this toilet somewhere where they were also making shady decisions like they did about the fuel. Okay, except the fuel was done by a 22-year-old. Oh, well... He still could have been a freshman boy. He still could have been a freshman boy. Fresh off a mission, um, potentially. So here's what the firefighters recommend. Please keep your experiments in the lab and supervised by trained professionals. And they did say it is unclear what the student intended to do with the rocket fuel that remains oh, under investigation. Did he get suspended? I'm assuming he got suspended. I don't know because I'm wondering, hmm, what kind of an honor code violation or suspension might this result in? I don't know. But when I read this article, I thought of our brother. I did too. <laughs> we have a brother who's a bit of a pyromaniac. Well, he used to be. Not he's, anymore. He's reformed but these days. Also, he had some pretty amazing pranks at BYU. BYU freshman boys are just, it's like... They're famous for their pranks. Exactly. It is a whole culture at well, BYU. And you have maybe, to one up the prank. Maybe this guy had freshman roommates and that's where the that toilet came from. Him. And he was just, he I, was just again, experimenting. Who knows what he was doing with the rocket fuel? He's a chemistry major. He's a chemistry major. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so that is our so Mormons behaving badly. Can Jenna Reese still follow up on that <laughs> one? Right. We want to know. Jenna Reese, we need to know what's the deal with the rocket fuel? <laughs> Oh. All right. Shall we move on to our favorite things? Sure. Okay. Um, my favorite thing this month is a fun Instagram account. Oh, I love a good Instagram account. It's kind of similar. You shared one a while ago called Zillow Gone Wild. Oh, yes. This is kind of on a similar okay. pathway. It's and I will called, probably like it. Please hate these things. <gasps> I follow that one. Isn't it so I good? love it. <laughs> so this Instagram account just makes me laugh so much. It is dedicated to like strange home decor slash engineering, like the inside of the home, like weird things. Like sometimes there's like mismatched. Like a toilet in the middle of the living room. Right. Yes. <laughs> that totally would have shown someone. Exactly. Submit that picture. Okay. <laughs> they might be confused about the burnt up stove. And they might be confused <laughs> as to why there's three inches of water on the floor. So these are just pictures that people submit of like bizarre interiors of homes. So like sometimes there's like mismatched tile. Sometimes there's like really weird decor, like the whole room is themed like a panda. Yeah. Sometimes there's like a crooked mantle. Like some of the pictures are really hard to look at. Yeah. Like if they'll post, they'll post, post one of like a, a wall and the mantle is like off center crooked. It's like, I can't look. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really fun to follow. Oh, I agree. What's your favorite thing? Okay. So my favorite thing is something that is old, but new again. Oh, as you know, I am a huge law and order fan. Mm. Classic law and order oh, is one of my yes. faves. Classic Law and Order left the airwaves 12 years ago, but alas, it returned last Thursday. I have been waiting for the return of Classic Law and Order <laughs> or Law and Order 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say it did not disappoint. You Ooh. know, sometimes when you try and re resurrect stuff, it's just not as good as yeah, the original. Like usually, but this they one is. They did a really good job. They kept true to the, for the original Law and Order format. Um, do they have the same sounds and everything? Do they do. do. They have the, they have the same sounds and you know, the first half is all the police investigation. The second half is all the court stuff. You know, they have all sorts of, uh, of, uh, ethical and moral questions in the courtroom stuff. And they have some returning characters and some new characters. So it does feel familiar. Jack McCoy, their DA is back. Oh, and nice. so, and then they've got one of their police officers is back as well. Okay. So, um, I loved it. I okay. loved it, loved it, loved it. So if you are in any way, shape or law and order fan, um, I know some people are kind of meh on SVU because they deal with some really weighty yeah, stuff. Yeah. I could never get behind SVU. Yeah. And, and I watch SVU. I mm -hmm. also watch organized crime, which is completely different format from any other law and order. But if you like a good solid classic law and order, go watch uh, Law and Order, the Law and Order reboot, because it will deliver. Okay, good to know. Okay, 
All right. I think that's it for the month. I think it for is. For us for the month. Yes. Jeff, Jeff will be back next week. Yes. So, TWIM listeners, we want to thank you very much for joining us. And as always, if you have any questions, you can email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can find us on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook. And if you really love us, be a Patreon supporter. Three bucks a month keeps our computers flowing. So, All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, <laughs>